the sort of track that you cannot help but use your gestures, use your arms and get totally involved in. And if you've just tuned in, good afternoon to you. This is JJ's Music Box and our featured artist, if you haven't guessed it already, is Adith Piaf. And here's Joan Javeri. Good afternoon to you. Afternoon, Sadia. Nice to be back with you in the studio. It's always lovely to have you. And I tell you, what a powerful opening there. Oh, absolutely. And that distinctive voice, suffused with longing and pain. Yeah, and I could feel it. Yeah. I could feel it. And, the, and, and that tremolo, you know, the, the, the vibrato mm. that she had. Mm. It was and such powerful. And for a person who was hardly four, fo- uh, four feet, eight inches oh, really? height, okay. very thin, you know, oh. and uh, quite a it's kind of gaunt appearance, uh, you know. And when she opened her she mouth. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a lady. And, you know, she's one of those legendary female vocalists that, you know, really, we've been doing the show for a number of months now. Mm. And really, it is a fantastic opportunity now to find out more about her, because I think she's been on the list all the time that we're going to look at her. Sure. So tell me about her. So she was the Chanteuse Nationale, the national singer of France. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, she was to France what Um Kultum was to Egypt mm-hmm. and what Lata Mangeshkar was, was to India. India. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you can see that in all the singers that we've had, they uh, kind of put their countries on the map and they represented something so special. They were so iconic. Mm. And she was one of them. Um, she really put French chanson on the global, uh, the world map. And... Uh, she was a bit of an enigma. Not really much of about her true life is known. Mm-hmm. There've been movies made. Mm. There've been books written, yeah. but uh, we really don't know how much of this was true. But we can piece together some things from mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the reportage, etc. So that that was the thing about her, and of course. What you heard there was just raw, untrained talent. Oh, another untrained vocalist. My goodness. It's just, I mean, it, it is pure talent, really, yes. isn't it? They were born with it. They were gifted with it. Yeah. She never went to music school. That's amazing. So she's born Edith Giovanna Gachon mm-hmm. uh, on the 19th of December, 1915. And uh, her father was a street performer, acrobatics and all that. And the mother was a circus performer and a singer. So I suppose that she had... Yeah, the blood is there. The blood is there. And interestingly, her grandmother was a madam at a brothel. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. So, in fact, uh, parents divorced when she was 14. But in any case, she had been abandoned by her mother. So her father actually had to leave her to his mother, that is her grandmother, in a brothel. She grew up with prostitutes. Oh. Although she never, you know, yeah. known yeah. to enter that profession. But uh, she had these people all around her. And um, that might have, she did say at one point in time that that might explain her kind of constant trysts with men. I see. I and mean, she had quite a turbulent love life, which we shall go yes. into a little later. Yes. You know, but... Uh, and um, when she was 14, she traveled Europe with her father and also met her half-sister mm-hmm. uh, or what she, who was considered her half-sister. And so both of them would perform on the streets together. They would sing 
uh, together on the streets. And when doing one of these little gigs, busking, I suppose you could call it, mm-hmm. in 1935 in the district of Pigal, uh, which is a very famous uh, nightlife area mm-hmm. in Paris, mm-hmm. she got discovered by a nightclub owner. Okay. And uh, he persuaded her to sing. And this this girl was a bundle of nerves, mind you. Mm-hmm. And despite her nervousness, you know, she was persuaded to sing. And uh, uh, he gave her the name Le Mum Piaf, mm-hmm. Little Sparrow. Oh, right. That is how oh, that the word Piaf just stuck. I- Oh, and how old was she then? She was quite young. She then. was, uh, we're talking about the year 1935, so she was, about, what, 20 years old? Okay, so quite young. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are very young. And uh, so her first night was at, the, at this particular nightclub was quite a sensation because the owner had gone out of his way to publicize La Mampiaf, you know, mm-hmm. performing. Mm-hmm. And so it was attended by some of the celebrities uh, of that era in Paris. And she got her big break then, and uh, you know she went on to then perform at many nightclubs. And um, in fact, interestingly, she also co-wrote many of the songs that she sang. She wrote the lyrics, and sometimes even um, had a big say in the composition. Really. Mm. So, I mean, did she then, I mean, she sounds like she had quite a traumatic sort of childhood, but obviously she had an education and, and, and so she was able to do some of these things as well. Yes, somehow, I guess. And, mm. um, um, you know, uh, the the, um, the turbulence never ended, you know. Yeah. She was yeah. one relationship after another. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, ended in tragedy. Again, I come back to the same old thing. You yeah. know, you've got a creative side. Yeah. You know, Venus is a blessing and a curse, yeah. as they say in astrology. That's exactly what you have been saying. And and it seems like it just feeds into their talent somehow that they go through all this trauma, but they survive because their talent is there and they keep going. Yeah, but as they say in statistics, you know, you've got to be very careful. Correlation mm. is not causation. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, everybody who has then gone through trials and tribulations <laughs> yeah, would be don't, doesn't come out of it like this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Good. Well, yes, it sounds like she had quite a turbulent life, right? Yes, and um, that definitely had an impact on her artistry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that voice tells you that it's full of pain mm-hmm. you know there's love uh, loss so you know there's there she's specialized in a genre which is often known as torch song mm-hmm. and these are songs of unrequited love and broken hearts oh, and, yeah that, that that sort of thing yeah and, sort of heart-wrenching stuff yes 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 and we will hear one of these towards the end of the end of the show but mm-hmm. um so, yeah, so around this time, uh, we're talking about the early 40s. Uh, you know, she is, um, uh, part, takes part in theater. She does movies as well. She appeared in a bunch of movies um, in almost comedy roles. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, she was singing and uh, acting at the same time. And this is also the time of the Nazi occupation mm-hmm. in, in Paris. Mm-hmm. But she was still performing in nightclubs. And she, in fact, was invited to perform in Berlin. All right. At that time. And that might have been the reason why she was accused of being a collaborator. Okay. Well, interestingly, her secretary then, he, a gentleman by the name of Andre, he stood up for her. And he was part of the resistance. And he convinced them that actually 
even though she did perform, she managed to help a lot of these prisoners of war escape. Okay. And so she provided cover for them. Okay. So, you know, she, that... So, sounds like a Hollywood movie or something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, and 19, then 1945 was also the time when um, she recorded her signature song, La Vie en Rose. Mm-hmm. But we're going to today listen to a live version of this, which was recorded in Carnegie Hall. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is with mixed English and French lyrics. Did you listen to that little kiss at the yes, end? Yes, I heard it. It's really, it feels as if, you know, a live version, you almost feel as if you are there yourself. And, you know, what an amazing voice she had. I just want to say hello to Danny Chang, who is a listener, and who on Facebook, when he saw that we were featuring Edith Piaf today, he said, oh, I can't wait. So uh, I hope you're enjoying the program. And, uh, you know. And I wanted to say hello to Niti Patel. Uh, she's also a listener, and she's been listening religiously to the show every week. And I know that she enjoys it. And, and we thoroughly enjoy ourselves. And, you know, that track there was an amazingly powerful. But also, also, you chose that track because she's also saying she put sang part of it in English. That's correct, and, and she did pretty well. I mean, that yes, was absolutely, good. yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, uh, again, it just shows you that some of these musicians were such good linguists—not linguists in the sense of being able to speak the language fluently, but more the pronunciation. Mm. You know, not much of a hint of an accent there. And uh, though I, I didn't, I, I wouldn't like to say this. You know, you you also heard. Um, uh, I'm sure you've heard Louis Armstrong mm-hmm. do his, doing mm-hmm. this song, mm-hmm. and so yeah. when he says "la vie en uh, the, the, the line in French, you know you hear him say "la vie en rose." <laughs> <laughs> I know. The, I mean, you know, I find it cute, yeah. but uh, it's still, you but know, these guys are really seasoned. How they can adapt their voices. I was just listening to that, and I could. I mean, as I said, I'm no connoisseur of this, but certainly I can just hear the waves in her voice, and I can just see the control that she has. What a f- fantastic voice she has! Yeah, semi kind of semi operatic as well. Mm. I mean, I can. Mm. She could have been um, a great opera singer if she wanted to. I mean, mm. but as you mentioned, um, while the song was going on, you know, with that little frame and this She's kind tiny. of tiny. I mean, four foot eight and quite sort of slight in in her figure. Very but thin. Yeah. Yeah. You know that that is quite amazing. What a voice comes out of that body. <laughs> so now, tell me now. So this particular track obviously was one of her most successful, was it? That's correct. Mm-hmm. That really put her on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, it was recorded in 1945 after the war. And um, in fact, if you listen to the original one, you can off- I, I cannot tell you the number of films I have seen where you'd see one of those old-fashioned gramophones mm. and this record playing yes. and, you know... The crackling in the background. The crackling in the yeah, background. Beautiful. So um, it does evoke those images, but I chose the live one because, you know, it wanted mm. me, plus the English lyrics there. So then she st- uh, began touring the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the mo- most of Europe and in the United States. And it was interesting because when she went to the United States, at in the beginning, the reception was kind of a bit tepid mm-hmm. because when they saw this French lady uh, was going to sing, they were expecting something which was, was flamboyant and, you know, really happening, etc. Um, what you would associate with France and to see this lady of a slight frame come up on the stage tiny and little woman sing. Come out, yeah. But it was actually when one of the music critics wrote about her 
uh, in the New York Times, and she got noticed by other critics. Then her popularity soared mm -hmm. in the United States, you know. And she was kind of exotic, you know. It was a voice like they would never heard before. Mm -hmm. So she caught on to that. And um, um, in fact, she appeared eight times on the Ed Sullivan Show on TV. Oh, wow. And did two appearances at the prestigious Carnegie Hall, which, and you heard one of them here. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, the live version. The live version, uh -huh. yes. So it was quite something. And um, uh, later on, um, you know, she did a lot of appearances elsewhere. And she was most notably associated with a theater called a music hall called the Paris Olympia. And between 1955 and 1962, which was just a little before uh, she passed away, um, she performed a great deal at that venue. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, the song Je ne regrette rien, mm -hmm. the, the first one that, one that we played, that, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. um, she first performed it at the Paris Olympia in 1961 at a concert it uh, it was a benefit concert to save the venue from bankruptcy okay okay and did she yes <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite interesting um so she she performed there and um you know um uh, she as i said had quite a turbulent love life hmm. um sometimes I went into relationships with uh, her composers, her managers, mm -hmm. uh, other people, and then broke off after a while. Even had a daughter by her first marriage and pretty much has her mother had it abandoned her. She abandoned her daughter. Oh. And the daughter died uh, two years later uh, oh. of some disease. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yep. Yeah, and... Uh, and she went through a lot of uh, trials and tribulations. In 1951, she met with an accident. Mm -hmm. And as a result of the injuries that she sustained, um, she, you know, it led to addiction to morphine and alcohol. Okay. And um, she was involved in quite a few accidents after that. Um, and uh, kind of that distorted a perspective on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. In fact... I've uh, been told that there were times when she'd come drunk on stage mm -hmm. and she'd faint, I mean, lose consciousness. Oh. Yeah. That's so, very sad. I mean, such talent, but it's, I suppose it's this channel that, and the support that she needed, but it's her dysfunctional background which makes that change, yeah. doesn't it? And also, um, keep repeating this, but... Um, it was uh, the love life, her love life, and particularly the fact that there was one of her lovers, a uh, champ by the name of Marcel Sardin, who was a boxer. Mm -hmm. And she considered him the love of her life. And this was way back in 1949, and she was performing in New York, and he was flying from Paris to New York, and the plane crashed. Oh, no. And, oh, yeah, she lost Such him. tragedy, my goodness. Like, you know. So, I mean, did she, with all of this going on and her addiction and things, she probably wasn't doing much singing at that time then? And she continued to sing. I mean, she was singing almost till the end, except for the last year or two. Was, um, and she recorded her last song in 1962. Okay, gosh. So she yeah. still managed. Yeah, she mm. still managed somehow. Mm -hmm. And... Um, 
So in the end, she married uh, 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 a uh, gentleman, an actor, singer called Tio Saropo. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, she remained with him uh, till that. But that was like the last couple of years of her life. Um, And all of this drinking and uh, morphine addiction ultimately... Uh, led to a lot uh, to ill health, uh, liver uh, cirrhosis of the liver, oh. and liver cancer, mm-hmm. and um, she succumbed to it uh, on uh, in uh, on the tenth of October, nineteen sixty three, at the age of forty seven. Oh, she was so young. Yes. Oh, what a sad loss. Yeah, absolutely, mm. and you can imagine three hundred chansons to her name, mm-hmm. and um, larger than life persona. And she lives on, I mean, you know, uh, her. you hear her name all the time, even today. Like, you know, people know her and people get excited when mm. they mention her name. Absolutely. And her funeral uh, was attended by thousands, you know, on the streets. And it was the first time after so the Second World War when apparently Paris traffic came to a grinding halt. Really? Wow. Oh. It was the only time, actually, mm-hmm. after the Second World War, mm. when traffic just came to a halt. No, because she was a, an absolute legend for the country, wasn't she? Absolutely. Subject of many films and books, and she's got a two-room museum dedicated to her, and uh, they've got something called the Place Edith Piaf um, in um, the district where she lived, which was called Belleville. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there is a planet named after her as well. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Some Soviet astronomer. Okay, okay. Well, that well, she certainly lives on then, doesn't she? I mean, and and now you know the last track. We've got about a minute or so mm. left. The last track. Tell me about that. Autumn leaves um, or le feuille morte, if I get my French correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's one of those tracks which. Um, um, I'd be very surprised if this does not elicit a tear from even the most hardened human being. Oh, that's a challenge now. Let's have a listen. Yeah, we'll it's a live version. And uh, again, I think it's from one of her Carnegie Hall performances, French followed by English. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to it, you'll know it because it's a very famous tune. Okay. Well, I look forward to it. And Jiang, once again, let me thank you very much for coming in today for JJ's Music Box. It is lovely to always have you in the studio. And uh, I think next week, actually, JJ's Music Box is the last in the present series. So, um, you know, make the most of it and enjoy it now. So let's go to the music. And Thanks, Sadia. Take us up to the news at two o'clock. This is the sound.